Hello, and welcome to the FPJ podcast, where we've got a packed show in which our journalists discuss the big stories affecting the trade this week. Here are the headlines. In Liz We Trust, DEFRA's Secretary of State, plus representatives of all the major parties, outline their vision for British farming for the next Parliament. State of the Union. It was the NFU conference in Birmingham this week. What are the Horticulture and Potato Board's priorities for the next five years? Organic growth. As the 2015 Organic Market Report is unveiled, we tell you which sectors are performing best and which are struggling. Spud you don't like. Why the potato industry is in a flux about an oversupply in the market. And 120 not out. Unlike England's cricket team, FPJ knows what it takes to get a century under its belt. And we want you to bowl us your stories and photos as we celebrate 120 years of industry-leading coverage. I'm Michael Barker, and with me are my FPJ colleagues, news editor Martin Fisher. Hello. And features editor Nina Pullman. Hello. We've been putting in the miles this week, travelling the nation, to bring you all the news from the NFU conference, the launch of the Soil Association Organic Market Report, and much more. But let's start with the NFU conference in Birmingham, where one of the key attractions was the opportunity to hear from several political party hopefuls who were trying to win over the farming industry's vote in the upcoming general election. Um, Nina, you were there. Who did you hear from and what were the main policies that the, uh, the, the leading parties put forward for farming? Um, Yep, so first up we had George Eustace from the Conservative Party. He said the Tory priorities are to clamp down on regulations, um, so basically cut farm inspections, um, open more new markets for exports, and make important decisions to prevent animal and plant uh, diseases. Uh, Secondly, we had Dan Rogerson from the Lib Dems, um, also a DEFRA minister at the moment. Um, He said, number one, it would be to create an overarching food plan to cover food security and climate change. Secondly, they would extend the powers of the groceries code adjudicator further down the supply chain, and they want to sort out labelling issues um, with a good country of origin scheme. Um, Labour was represented by Hugh Iranka Davies, who's the shadow DEFRA minister at the moment. They also want to see a master plan um, to cover food security, productivity, sustainability and social justice. Um, They also want a science-led policy on GM and technology at UK and an EU level. And thirdly, he said that Labour will fight to stay in the EU. Interesting stuff there. Certainly the, uh, the subject of in or out of the EU was one that came up several times during the conference, wasn't it? Um, in the horticulture-specific session, one of the things that uh, NFU Horticulture Board Chairman Guy Poskett was saying is it's very difficult for farmers to actually make a decision on which party to support because they simply don't know what the pros and cons are of whether we stay in or pull out of Europe. The parties really haven't outlined what... In fact, the, in, the imposition, the impact would be on the industry were it to leave the EU. Is that something that came up with any of the other parties that were represented at the debate? Um, yeah, very much so. Um, the, the three main parties were at great pains to, to uh, stress that it's very much a hypothetical situation. All three of them, uh, Lib Dems, uh, Labour and the Tories, uh, they want a better deal for farming within the EU. Obviously, um, UKIP, who were represented by Stuart Agnew, they feel very differently, and he said they would definitely take, well, they, they want to take Britain outside of the EU, and if they did so, um, they would provide a similar financial support system for farmers um, using the membership fees that we currently pay to the EU. 
Interesting stuff. Everybody's talking about a better deal for farmers. It's, it's fairly predictable, I suppose, playing to the audience. But did you feel like this was just typical political bluster or was there a feeling that there were some general, you know, really genuine policies in place there? Was it well received by the audience? Um, it was interesting, actually, because I, I felt like uh, UKIP and, um, well, yeah, he, he got a very good response from a lot of the things he was saying. Um, apart from the European points. Um, John Humphreys, who was chairing the session, he did sort of an impromptu audience um, vote. Um, you know, you had to raise your hand if you thought that farmers would be better off if we left the, left the EU. And it was almost 100% um, not better. So, you know, you can see from that that at the moment, most farmers and growers in the UK feel that Europe provides the best option for them. Sounds like UKIP's got a way to go to win the... Uh... The farming vote, that's for sure. Um, okay, brilliant. The NFU Horticulture Board, of course, laid out its five-year plan to boost the industry as well. Uh, they, well, as, as part of almost 50 uh, key areas that it wants to focus on, it, it identified three major pillars that, that they want to do, one of which is championing British horticulture to consumers and, and doing more to help raise consumption. Secondly, they're looking at helping boost sector profitability and uh, finally to ensure there's a positive cross-government policy. Uh, it's interesting that you talked about uh, that the party said that they wanted to extend the remit of the GCA. Um, Guy Poskett again said he was absolutely delighted with the impact that the adjudicator has had so far. Um, but of course there is also talk of whether they could extend it into food service, into, into other areas and really and beyond the, the supermarkets that it covers at the moment. Okay, let's move on and uh, take a look at the uh, organic event that took place this week. Uh, Martin, you were there. They, were, they launched the uh, Soil Association's 2015 Organic Market Report. Uh, what did that report reveal? So the report revealed that in 2014, sales of organic food and drink were at 4% to $1.86 billion. Um, That came in a year when overall food and drink sales were down at 1.1%. Although it should be noted that organics still account for just for just under two percent of the overall food and drink market, which is worth around ninety-five billion. Mm. As for fresh produce, fruit sales, organic fruit sales were up six point six point four percent, while salad sales were down one point six percent, and organic veg sales were down two percent, albeit from three point four percent growth the previous year. Did they uh, give any insight, Martin, into why fruit sales were up but uh, veg and salad sales were down? Apparently there's been very clear availability of fruit in this past year um, and apples have performed particularly strongly. Salads though have suffered from a lack of presence and there have been a number of delistings in the last few years which have really, really damaged the uh, organic salad market. As for organic veg, many recognise that organic carrots are still an entry point to the organic market for, for most consumers and or, you know, organic veg still has a bigger market share than fruits in the overall organic sector. So again, it's, it's difficult to say, I suppose, vegetables have had a difficult few years, so maybe it partly relates to that. But there has been a boost this year with, with Aldi beginning to stock organic veg lines, which opens up the market to potential new organic consumers. Any chance that these figures are going to improve for the next year? Did the Soil Association say what we should be looking out for in 2015? Well, there's a real worry at the fact that the big four supermarkets are looking to cut skews. And, you know, that could lead to a reduction in the number of organic fresh produce products stocked. I was speaking to Finn Cottle, the trade consultant with the Soil Association, and she's urged supermarkets to continue stocking their organic products and boost their range so it's front of mind for consumers. 
Just from the market itself, you know, major multiples still dominate sales, organic sales, but there's been strong growth in 2014 for the online and box game channels, which Able and Growth recently posted their most recent accounts, and um, they've doubled turnover and boosted uh, boosted profit as well. So, it, you know, it looks like that's going to be an, a, an area to watch over the coming year. Did they say why supermarkets are looking to, to you know, remove the number of SKUs? I mean, there was much talk at the beginning of the recession that they were doing it because people wanted cheaper produce. But, but since the economy is supposedly in growth again and that people have a little bit more money to spend, you would hope, from an organic point of view, that, that we're seeing more uh, lines stopped. Touching upon uh, Aldi again and, and, and their move to start stocking organic produce, um, they, they, they've said they're going to start selling organic products 30% cheaper than their, their supermarket rivals. If that brings down the overall price as you know, more consumers become uh, familiar with buying organic produce, then you know, perhaps that could boost the, the sector as a whole and, and supermarkets will perhaps change their mind about potentially getting rid of such products. It probably would, but I suppose the counter-argument of that is... If organic products end up being the same price as regular ones, then how are producers supposed to be able to to grow them? Uh, we know it costs more to produce organically. Uh, people have to expect a premium. I see a bit of a difficulty there for, for producers to still make a, a living margin if, if, if they're selling them at 30% less, but that remains to be seen, I suppose. I suppose it's not going to be only government help either. It doesn't look like uh, no. something we've got into back subsidising such uh, production. Well, absolutely. I mean, that, and we saw something like that last year. It's, it's uh, pertinent to mention it now because we're in the middle of fair trade fortnight. And last year, the Fair Trade Foundation launched their Make Bananas Fair campaign in which they lobbied Vince Cable to intervene in the, uh, in the banana price, basically, and demand minimum pricing for bananas. That was something well, not too many people that I came across thought was a good idea. Nobody, nobody really wants government intervention, I would suggest, and I can't see them intervening on organic either, so I think market forces are going to dictate that one. Let's move on to another of the big stories this week. Everybody's talking about potatoes, Martin. Uh, why is that? Why is potatoes in the news this week? Well, according to uh, the Potato Council chair, Fiona Fell, there have been two seasons of oversupply. She said that this has caused great pain for, for growers in that part of the market. There's also been further pressure from a wholesome crop in northwest Europe. Um, it, things have got so bad that the UK weekly free-buy price fell to a new season low in January. It was £77.43p per tonne, which is nearly half the price paid a year earlier. Worrying times for potatoes, and it was a topic of conversation again at the uh, NFU conference this week, where I uh, heard more than one person saying that it's vital that growers uh, grow to contract and, and don't just stick a load into the free mar- buy market, which might uh, destabilise the industry. The potato market over the last few years has been hit pressure from alternative crops such as you know pasta and rice and those kind of carbs um, and consumers seeking convenience in multiple facets of their life but you know it must be said that the potato council has taken a very active role in trying to reverse this trend and there's a tie-up with the irish food board set to um to take place later this year with um, some eu funding behind it and there's also been strong growth in the processing market as well so again you know there's new channels for potato growers to explore for their product 
perhaps a silver lining too, Nina? Um, yeah, I think added to that, I think one of the reasons why uh, the potato issue is sort of a hot topic at the moment, so obviously it's a key time uh, in the season at the moment as growers are sort of thinking about their planting programmes for next season. One of the things the Potato Council sort of said was, you know, only grow what you can sell. So obviously that's a, a discussion that lots of growers are having at the moment. So that's why we'll be following this story. As indeed. It continues. Yeah, indeed. And uh, one other possibility, I suppose, is exports. There's, there's a lot of talk about exports. Uh, the government's really uh, talking it up. I don't know. Uh, I hope they're putting their money where their mouth is and really helping growers to find new markets. But, but potatoes is one of the more exportable crops. Sea so, potato is one of the success stories, really, for the UK. Yes, absolutely. Exports. Yeah, indeed. So hopefully that situation will resolve itself soon. Now, finally, FPJ is 120 years old this year, making it one of the oldest trade publications in the country. And we're celebrating by putting together a special issue on the 27th of March in which we'll be looking back at the history of the UK horticultural industry as well as forward to what the future holds as well. And as this is your industry and your magazine, we want you to get involved too. So, Nina, tell us how readers can contribute to this special issue. Yeah, so basically um, we're asking for any companies um, to send in contributions, and that can be in the form of old photos, um, we want your stories, any video content that you might have, anything that you've got sort of um, on file that sort of tells the story of your company, sort of when it was established, anything interesting from the past. You know, it's a really, really great chance to sort of flag up the businesses that have been going going for so long in the fresh produce industry and um, yeah so if you, you send any contributions to editorial at fpj.co.uk and uh, we're really looking forward to hearing from you all yep should be a fantastic special issue okay that's all we've got time for this week uh, many thanks to Nina and Martin and we hope you've enjoyed listening and join us next time on the FPJ podcast